This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you in part by our Major Spoilers VIP members. Thank you for your support of Major Spoilers and the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you'd like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com and sign up today. Thank you in advance. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, twas the night before Xmas and all through the podcast, we had some great stuff, and you'll really be awed fast. Spider-Woman's got new duds. Luke Cage comes to the small screen. Mulder and Scully investigate a tiny sleigh and eight miniature reindeer. Plus, a special holiday discussion, and while it's not... The most seasonally appropriate holiday. Cut us some slack. It's December. I am a jolly fat man. Steven's a holiday elf full of cheer and lots of eggnog. We're ready to guide your pop culture slate tonight. This podcast is on the air. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Christmas. Happy Festivus. Happy uh, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Yeah. To all of our listeners around the world. Yes, we are listeners here. Listeners on the planet Omicron 6. Happy Glorfment. We are here once again. Uh, you know, the only real holiday that we take off during the year, two, two uh, United States holidays, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and July 4th, although this year we probably will have a July 4th episode. But uh, we figure, hey, you guys have some time off in your holidays and you're going to want to your, fill your ear holes with something cool. And Stop hopefully ear holes. That's just gross. Hopefully your stockings or whatever that you have. Your stockings are hung by the chimney with care. In the hopes that they'll soon be filled with beer and... Well, and if you didn't get what you want, head over to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon.com banner, and buy some post-holiday yeah, gifts or hit, whatever that you didn't get. And here's the best part. Sales. This is one of those gifts that keep on giving, because when you use that Amazon banner at Majorspoilers.com, mm-hmm. everything you purchase through that banner, doesn't matter if it's a, a comic book, doesn't matter if it's a video game, doesn't matter if it's a major appliance, a little bit comes back our way. And helps keep our seasons bright and the lights on and on the air and we can give you stuff week after week. Speaking of sweet Christmas. Sweet Christmas. Mike Coulter. Yes. Uh, confirmed by Marvel is going to play Luke Cage in the AKA Jessica Jones series for Netflix coming in 2015. Nice. Now, I don't know much about uh, Luke Cage or I'm sorry, much about. Well, either one, really. Mike Coulter or Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, he's in the new series, Halo Nightfall. That's the Microsoft exclusive series. I haven't right. watched that yet. I just bought it last night, uh, through my, uh, Xbox subscription, 14 bucks there. I did see a trailer for it at the movie theater when I went, uh, yeah. he's also in the good wife and he was in la- I think it was last season's American horror story coven. So he's got a, he's got a resume of, uh, some acting chops and, uh, he's going to jump on board as, uh, Jessica Jones love interest. In the AKA Jessica Jones series, played by uh, Kristen, uh, what is her name? Kristen Ritter. Kristen Ritter, that's right. Yep. And, From uh, The Bee in Apartment 23. Yep. And she was also in uh, Breaking Bad and all that kind of stuff. I think we talked about this last week we on did. the Major Spoilers podcast. And I'm just wondering if because Luke Cage's uh, uh, <laughs> slogan or his uh, shout out is Sweet Christmas, Sweet Christmas. if this is why Marvel did. announced it just the couple of days before Christmas. All I have to say is he definitely looks the part oh, yeah. of the modern Luke Cage. I yeah. mean, he's he's solid. He's built. He's got he's got the bald head and the little goatee. I want a Tierra. Yeah, and a I don't think they're. I, I really don't think they're going to do that. I, I think it's going to be know, impossible but, to do. I mean, the best the best part 
is that in the um, uh, the superhero show that my my kid used to watch all the time, uh, where they're like the chibi versions of the Marvel characters. Yeah, uh, they made a joke about him wearing a tiara, and he's like, "It's not a tiara; it's a headband." And it was kind of a running joke through that uh, animated series. Um, but yeah, there is a very modern take on Luke Cage without the bracelets, without the chains, without the the shirt open to his navel, without the tiara. And I think well, that's what they're going to have to go with. Disco silk shirts are back in. Well, I mean, I, well, you can almost bet he's not wearing pirate boots. True. I mean, you know, the Corsair boots are kind of a thing. It was the 70s at Marvel. Everybody had those. I think every, everybody I think, but, but Spider-Man. Well, and in this kind of I mean, uh, this is good news, I think, that we have a, a Luke Cage in this series. And it yeah. brings us ever closer to uh, the Defenders. Uh, we don't know about Iron Fist yet. Um, I'm sorry. Five we do know about Iron Fist. get a little blonde guy. Well, I bet it is, too. Maybe it'll be that <laughs> maybe it'll be that kid from uh, Harry Potter. Um, Neville, Neville Longbottom. Yes, Neville Longbottom it is Iron Fist uh, or Legolas. Um, so it's it's good that Mike Coulter's been cast. I think that's really good. But speaking of this discussion of costumes and why we're not going to see the '70s version of Luke Cage, Marvel has also announced in the last week that uh, Spider Woman is also getting a new costume change, yep. and. I think this is real interesting. Uh, Nick Lau, who's the editor or low over at Marvel, said uh, we wanted a costume that walked the line between superhero ready and something a woman would wear in the real world. But for the most part, they're clothes to kick ass in. And this is this uh, kind of the same thing that was going on with Batgirl, where it's basically she went into vintage stores and picked up whatever she wanted. And um, right. you know, there's some similarities, I think, just from that idea that these are normal, everyday, off the rack clothes turned into a superhero outfit. Right. Um, I think what's really going on here is that, yes, there is this move away from spandex and the whole Milo Minara thing made spandex kind of a laughable uh, bit well, of, of it, something to talk about. It hypersexualized her and it kind of made it a thing. Yeah. Right. But what I really think they're doing is both companies, both Warner Brothers and Marvel Studios, have made the decree that, hey, these costumes need to be screen ready, meaning that yep. – we don't have to when when Captain America goes up, we can't use the chain mail armor. We have to use the ultimate universe costume because that's more realistic. And so I think what we're going to start seeing in the coming months and years, probably the next five years, especially, is a lot of the characters getting a makeover that makes the costumes very easy to recreate and look oh. good on screen. Well, and there's something that people don't recall about Spider-Woman that's very important. Very early in her origin, Spider-Woman had a cartoon on ABC. Oh, she And did? the costume, yeah, the costume that Spider-Woman, she was voiced by Joan Van Ark, actually. Oh, okay. The costume that Spider-Woman had in 1977 is spandex clingy. But I think from the timing, if you look at it this way, a cartoon that went on the air in 1979 had to be in the works in 1977. Spider-Woman comes out spring of 1977 because... Frankly, they're trying to hold on to their Spider-Man copyrights. But she has this cartoon. That costume is exactly the one she had on TV. And I think the costume that we've seen her in, that classic kind of Black Widow thing with the yeah, yellows yeah. and the reds, right. was designed for easy animation on television. Oh, I'm sure. Because if, yeah, if you have it too <coughs> detailed, it's going to be crazy. I mean, uh, exactly. that's why so much of the Spider-Man cartoons of the uh, of back in the day were mostly just his head just, moving and not yeah, his body. His because moving. if you had his to body animate wasn't all, all the, webbed either. Yeah, you'd have to web some of it. Yeah, and you're right. A lot of it wasn't webbed. Um, yep, and that's that's the thing that when you come to this Spider-Woman suit, Kurt Busiek, and I agree with Kurt Busiek on this, said that 
Spider-Woman's 1977 costume is one of the classics of 1977. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But much like disco bondage uh, leotard Ms. Marvel, the costumes that worked in 1977 really aren't the same costumes. I mean, we are beyond sexy leotard Spider-Woman at this point. So I applaud Marvel for doing something like this. I still think that it's a little suspicious how much it resembles the bad girl. Somebody, design. oh man, I got to find this tweet because somebody uh, shot me a, a Twitter message yesterday saying, hey, uh, if people are comparing the, the, the Spider-Woman costume to the Batgirl costume, mm-hmm. uh, Batgirl's costume is a complete ripoff of Continuum, of the costume in Continuum. And I really? went and looked up that that uh, show, Continuum. I've never seen it. Um, mm-hmm. But um, if you look at it in the TV series, the costume does kind of look vaguely familiar to that in that she wears a zip up kind of leather jacket and she has the um you know she has the the tighter pants and then the hip uh, uh holster and then the belt going across so i mean i can see some similarities there but again this i think is going back to this idea of we need modern costumes right that we need a costume that, that we can, can just walk throw right onto the yeah that can walk right onto the big screen or to the small screen or wherever that they're going to put it and it's not going to cause a lot of people to go well that's not what it looks like in the comic books or to run into to a Michael Keaton situation where he can't even turn his uh, gosh darn neck as Batman um, because that's the way it's he drawn rotated in the his entire torso and it looked really dynamic. It did, didn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I, th- I think that's where we're going. And, and when we look at, uh, you know, a lot of people were looking at the Batfleck costume and mm-hmm. just uh, some of them turning up their noses, but some of them going, hey, yeah, this is. This is something that's it's not spandex, but it's, you know, it's that same thing that Spider-Man wears the basketball um, yeah. fiber, but it, but it bends a lot easier for the actor to perform in. And it's going to look a lot better on the screen. And if they're wearing Under Armour, then let them wear Under Armour. I don't really care uh, yep. as long as it looks good and it doesn't look stupid, then I'm all for it. Yep. The only argument that I have heard about this that I'm completely and utterly angry about is, um, well, there were actually two, one that made me happy, one that didn't. The artist of uh, Batgirl, or one of the artists Cameron, Cameron Stewart. Yeah. Cameron Stewart was tweeting with the artist who created the Spider-Girl suit, and they were both like, wow, we both came up with similar ideas. And he's like, yeah, we were working at the same time. And it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, that's cool. But there's also been a slight undercurrent of, in the designs, Jessica Drew is a lot slimmer and less shall yeah, we say bustier. statuesque yeah yeah, yeah. she yeah. Uh, the, i think that it really looks like and again the only thing we've seen we've seen two pieces of art three pieces of art right. i guess we've seen the cover art um which is highly stylized we've right. seen the model turnaround which is basically using a default uh you mm-hmm. know kind of template and then right. we've seen the um the spider-man unlimited kind of trading card thing which i guess is an online thing where the costume actually appeared this past week in the game Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they release this. It really looks like they've de-aged her. Well, and that's perfectly fine. Here's something that you have to remember about Spider-Woman. Yeah, but you had you and had a problem with them de-aging with, Barbara. I did, because I was an avid reader of Barbara's series, which was an ongoing series at the time that they de-aged her. Jessica Drew has kind of been in a support role. The origin of Jessica Drew as massively pneumatic 
is not necessarily 1977 Spider-Woman number one. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it was 77. Everybody was, you know, very well drawn. The origin of Jessica Drew as massively pneumatic is in New Avengers in 2005 with David Finch. No, oh, this wasn't a Wally Wood creation. No, this was this was actually created by, I want to say, Sal Buscema. But when David Finch was drawing her in New Avengers, when they brought her back from Limbo after a few years, David Finch drew her as this massive, super busty, super statuesque, you know, supermodel actress porn star character. And that modern portrayal is what led us to the Manara controversy because Spider-Woman has pheromone powers and is designed to be sexy, sexy. And now people are going, oh, wait, Spider-Woman's always been like this. She really hasn't, guys. And if well, they redesign, if, if you're talking if about redesign, 77, well, you are talking about for most I, people, including you and me. 2005 is what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Even my kid was alive in 2005. Yeah. But, yeah, I would say that if they make changes to her, you know, general body shape, that's also fine. That happens all the time. Remember, Wolverine is used to be five foot three. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he how really should be. He he should, I thought he was, yeah, five three. Well, they don't draw little, him as five three anymore. No, he's as tall as Scott Summers. Oh, wait yes. a minute. Maybe he's short too. No, Scott Summers is six foot four and skinny. That's why they used to call him Slim. He can still be skinny and be five you foot know, four. Mark Gruenwald is spinning in his grave at this discussion. Why? The official Marvel handbooks that Mark Gruenwald edited told us all of this information. <laughs> well, but yeah, when was that published? 1986. Yeah, so how many how many reboots, revisions, redactions? Well, that was this is Marvel. F Marvel does new reboots. Moments have you uh, have you had to go and look at? Every Marvel fan I know on Twitter likes to crow that Marvel doesn't reboot. Therefore, everything that happened in Defenders number 3 in 1972 happened in continuity, you know, just so this isn't a whole, uh, just so this isn't a whole uh, Marvel conversation here. A little couple of uh, quick stories about DC. Apparently, Wonder Woman the movie has neither been greenlit nor has there been a script approved. That's one what? thing. I, I know it's really weird, even though they've talked about it. It hasn't officially been been but, greenlit. But On they the cast other, somebody and they're they're fighting well, with the director and yeah. Notice well. that when they talked about that gal, uh, when they talked about that Wonder Woman movie. And we had that story up on the website. They don't mention Gal Gadot in that movie. <gasps> See, it's oh, really weird. So it, it almost is like, well, this movie hasn't been greenlit, even though we've been talking about it. And supposedly there there are six scripts floating around and potentially three to six Wonder Woman movies that we're going to have in the work, works. That's that's the weird part. The other thing is Constantine coming back uh, to NBC. Um, it returns. Let me see on the. Um, uh, let me find the exact date. Yeah. Um, let's see. I guess I'm only seeing stuff from. I know that the date and time has been moved. Uh, for so it's not going to be in the death slot Friday night. I don't. I don't think so. Good. Um, yeah. Let's see. New season. I'm trying to find this because I know here. No, that's premiere date. Um. It would be nice if they'd pull it out of that Friday night. Yeah, that's late. what I, I saw. Let me, uh, here, I, maybe I should just look in the place where I always store my stories. Yeah. In my little save for later bit. And I see the picture of, I've got to scroll down a little bit. Maybe I already deleted it. Oh, here it is. Constantine sets return date, changes time slot. Um, will take place. Okay. Announced via the show's Twitter 
page. The mid-season premiere has been pushed back a week to Friday, January 16th, but the okay. show will return with an earlier time slot moving to 8 p.m. from its previous 10 p.m. slot. Um, oh. So it, nothing about a new season. It's just the um, second season is still this, undetermined. Th- right. The second half of the already existing yeah. order. Still on Friday. That's good. But an earlier time slot, which hopefully will still get the uh, crowd before they go out to a uh, party down. Well, and if they don't, you know, you can DVR it. That's what I yep. do. Listeners, DVR now counts. Yeah, well, only three days after. Oh, well, there you go. So it's not like this week I've been catching up on Gotham. And we're um, actually in the last couple of days I've been catching up on Gotham. None of but those, I, because number one, it's not DVR'd. It is downloaded, right. though. But those don't count towards the ratings if you're watching the episode three, four, six weeks after it uh, aired. Did you hear, Stephen? What did I hear? About Gotham? So the night wind to the little boy, that, what? That little boy is going to be Batman. What? Yeah. How is he going to be? Kid? How is he going to be Batman? I, I saw him I, punch. I watched the episode where he, he beat the crap out of Tommy Elliott, which was pretty cool. Well, hush. <laughs> that's, that's what I got. Uh, listeners, even though it is the holidays, you can still head over to Majorspoilers.com. We will have some stories here and there, some other bits and pieces for you, uh, including some podcasts. We've got dueling reviews coming up on uh, Christmas Day, I believe, uh, and some other stuff. Don't forget Critical Hit, other podcasts in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Go check them out. It's over at Majorspoilers.com. All right, let us get into some reviews. So this week, being Christmas week, actually the 24th is on a Wednesday. Those of you who are listening, it's today. Um, There are new comic books. In fact, there's a lot of comic books out this week, and some of them are very holiday themed. Some of them are year end wrap up kind of things. I picked up IDW Publishing's The X-Files Xmas Special. It is a 48 page book. It is an eight dollar book. So you need to know that going into it. But it has two wonderful little stories in them. Um, the first one is kind of the season 10 of the X-Files, and it is Christmas, and Mulder is at the mall and has a little run-in with the uh, the cigarette-smoking man, although now he is the e-cigarette-smoking man, which I found quite <laughs> funny. And there's a little gag at the end where he's like, ah, oh, come on, I've earned this, and smokes a regular pack. Um, but um, there's something going on with, again, this idea that Mulder is being protected and at one point was going to be abducted by aliens. But the, the more humorous story is that they're going over to uh, Skinner's house for a holiday party and uh, Mulder is late, but you've got um, Scully is there. You've got the, um, what are the three, uh, three guys, Frohickey and oh, uh, Frohickey and yeah. What is their, what is uh, their name? The, the lone gunman. Yeah, the lone gunman are there. Um, the Terminator and his partner show up. And uh, there's a lot of silly little gags. It, this is just this is stuff that is not to be taken seriously. That's the first thing. Uh, there's a lot of silly little gags with people under the mistletoe and all that kind of stuff. So that's the first story. And it's real. It's really nice. And it's really sweet. And for those people who are fans of the Mulder Scully X-Files years, this is a very nice, sweet uh, story. The second story is uh, takes place in X Files Year Zero, which I have not read, so I really don't know who the characters are in this story. But they, the two characters, the two investigators, have to go and investigate some uh, accidents happening happening at an um, airplane manufacturing plant, and they discover a gremlin. The Gremlin! And the Krampus. The Krampus uh, makes a, kind of an appearance in there, too. Well, also, well, a very funny, light story. 
um, again, not to be taken seriously. And the way they end it with how they uh, get rid of the gremlin is pretty funny. Uh, I should spoil it, but come on, I'll let you open up that Christmas present on your own. <laughs> the art is fine. Um, sometimes it gets very impressionistic at, at times. I, you know, the, the year zero stuff are all original characters. So you're not basing them on any people. Right. Um, the X-Files season 10, of course, is based on a lot of people. And to see the uh, actor who plays uh, Skinner acting drunk on panel is very, very funny as far as the art goes. But it is kind of um, loose in its uh, in its style. Not to say that it's it's awful, but, right. you know, sometimes it feels like the lines aren't fully connected and those kinds of things. But it but it's a fun book. If you're an X-Files fan. Go pick it up. It is expensive, seven ninety nine, but you're getting forty eight pages of story, um, and you're getting both Year Zero and, and Season Ten in one book. I, I'm giving it four slices of meatloaf. Maybe it's uh, four slices of uh, fruit cake. No, isn't that the uh, isn't that the thing that you give out during the holidays? No, <laughs> figgy pudding. Four, four scoops, slices of figgy four, pudding. four s- scoops of figgy pudding. It, it's a fun book. Um, I don't think you scoop figgy pudding. I don't know. I've never had it. So um, the closest I get to figs are fig Newtons. And, and if you eat too many of them, you're still in the bathroom regardless. Oh. Um, I'm just saying. So it's fun. IDW. Where's this week? when we need <laughs> He would probably give us a whole breakdown of uh, the, the, the history of the fig right. and why it's used as a laxative. And when you said that, he'd be like, Gross. No, he'd probably be say been there, done that. What have you got for us this week, Matthew? This week, I have a very non at all Christmassy tale. What? Valiant Comic Unity. Oh yeah, that series 13. is going on. Yeah, and I didn't realize that Unity is what it is because in the old Valiant universe, Unity was the big crossover schmagegi right. that brought everybody together from the various eras of the Valiant world. And I'm thinking, oh, they're doing that again. Turns out, Unity is actually a super team. Yes. And the super team consists of Ninjak, the Eternal Warrior, Exo Manowar, and an updated version of Livewire, who's pretty awesome. And this issue, they add a fifth character. Okay, so you have Ninjak, who's this badass knight ninja guy who chops you up with swords. And the Eternal Warrior, who is like a master of all forms of combat and will kill you dead before you even look at you. And Exo Manowar, who is like this, uh, this caveman, right? Only he has an Iron Man suit. And Livewire is this badass government agent who's like, yeah, I'm Livewire. And their new member is Zephyr. <laughs> Isn't that you, the uh, – yeah, yeah, I is, know she is. Zephyr is the, the chubby teenage yeah, girl yeah. from Harbinger. Right. And she's a big uh, – isn't she a comic nerd in the she series? Is. Yeah. Okay. She, well, and this, this is very important. She has a massive social media following. Yeah. In the Valiant universe, people love Zephyr. Zephyr is basically a star. She's sweet. She's bubbly. She's a teenager. And everybody's like, oh, cool. It's Zephyr. So Zephyr has joined the team. The first half of this issue introduces some of the darkest supervillains I have ever seen. One is a telepath who was left for dead in uh, Chinese experiments to force people to become super. So his name is Death Jack. No, her name is Gang. Oh, okay. And she has not only super massive psychic abilities, but is possessed by the uh, minds of the 150 dead bodies that she was left in a mass grave with. Yay. And a character so does named she, does she Stock. Flip, does she flip through her personalities? Yes. Of all those different people? Yeah, okay. And I, a character I've seen, named I've seen Stock, that before. Who had his hands chopped off 
because he wouldn't answer the right questions and now has cybernetic hands and powers that allow him to do super stuff. And there's a guy called The Myth who's a perfect killer. You can't really look at his face. And they say that he's responsible for specific real-world tragedies. Hmm. And that's the point where they lose me, where they say he's responsible for the massive Ebola outbreak. He's responsible for this. He did this, and he blew up this real terror cell that we know about in, in real life. And well, I'm just he's like, a myth. wow, this is dark. Yeah, he's a myth. This myth. Is myth. Super yes. dark. Myth. No, yes. sir, I'm a count. <laughs> yes. But they, the last member is Ultimo. And Ultimo Robot. is the only survivor of Mexico City being destroyed. Oh, really? When did that happen? Uh, that happened in an early issue of Unity. Apparently, ah, okay. A, a giant robot came from space and destroyed Mexico City. Okay. In the DC universe, it would have been Topeka. So <laughs> this story is about our heroes, who are basically four murderous jerks and a sweet-natured teenager, going into battle against the villains, who are four super murderous jerks and it is really dark and some of the storytelling is brilliant and i like some of the concepts behind the characters but good lord almighty this is dark this makes the boys look like an episode of super goof in some way really yes this is but what about the stuff. sexual exploits oh thankfully there isn't a whole lot of that yet but faith drops her teammates at this particular uh, drop zone and she's like waiting to bring them out because she can fly and telekinetically lift them. Ah, okay. Well, they send in Ninjak and the Eternal Warrior who kill 50 guys and realize their target isn't there after killing 50 guys. Well, sometimes that happens. I know, but the, what's interesting is we start with Faith's first person uh, explanation of how cool it is to be part of the team and how cool these guys are. And at the end of the issue, she has the same conversation but instead of them being all cool, now they're, you know, one is mysteriously and condescending and hateful mm. and one is smells terrible and is vicious. And it's one of those really interesting moments from a psychological perspective for poor faith. It's a great issue. And, you know, for the guy who gets captured and tortured and beaten up, not so good of an issue. And of course, for the giant robot who gets exploded at the end, also not a good issue. I think that for me. I like what they're trying to do here, but there is a point where when you're doing something, you're like, we're going to tie this into real world stuff. If you tie it too much, say, you know, the stories in the 1960s, Todd Holton, super green beret beating up soldiers in Vietnam comes across as goofy, came across as goofy in 67. I'm sure that's almost what happens here. These guys are really specifically tied to the political climate of 2014. And first off, it's very dark and it's hard to, you know, get through that and go, wow, we thought this was something that would make for a cool origin. Yeah. But it's also a massive real world tragedy with real human beings dying. And then it's, it's something where you get really, really dark, you know how Ed Brubaker does the stories where everything's dark and everybody's untrustworthy and people get stabbed in the back constantly? Oh, yeah. And you know how Brubaker makes that really awesome and makes it feel like you still have somebody to root for and you still have emotional stakes there? Sure. I don't quite get the emotional stakes of Unity number 13. 
it comes across as as really harsh and really dark and i'm afraid it's going to lead to faith getting killed or maimed or something terrible so i don't know she's she seems just from internet reaction mm-hmm. she seems to be a very popular character she is and with good reason i mean faith in the 80s was kind of made fun of she was the yeah. team's joke character right but now Faith is basically the girl that we kind of see. She's our point of view character. She's the one that we feel for. She is just a normal kid with awesome powers who enjoys being Zephyr and being a superhero and having these powers. And she enjoys going on social media and going, you guys, I can fly, you guys. And I'm afraid that, you know, by throwing that all together with this dark uh, black ops behind the books, wet works thing. It's going to get really dark, and we might end up in an episode of Youngblood from 1996. So good art, troubling story stuff, two and a half slices of meatloaf for Unity. It's a, a little bit of a wobble, but it's not a terrible book by any means. I would definitely recommend it if you're into that whole you know, black ops superheroes with, with no limits and, and no oversight, and they can go in and just take out the bad guys. If you like that, hey, this is a great book for you. There you go. All right, listeners, it is the holiday. I think a lot of our writers are off uh, doing stuff. I know uh, Ashley Victoria Robinson and Jason Inman, they just shot some new episodes of the Red Shirt Diaries down in Oklahoma yesterday. Someone in Oklahoma, check this out. Someone in Oklahoma built an exact replica of the original series uh, bridge. Right. And invited them to come and shoot on that set. That's amazing. So uh, they did that yesterday. They were there about six, seven hours uh, shooting. I think that's what it was. Um and you can see that in the Red Shirt Diaries Season 2 over on their YouTube channel. So go look it out. And, we'll, of course, we'll have it up on Majorspoilers.com. But I think other people like Rodrigo has gone into his hibernation. Zach right. is doing uh, multiple family things this week. I think mm-hmm. he actually goes down to Oklahoma at the end of the week. Um, Chris, I don't know what Chris is doing. I think he's having a happy holiday. Uh, <laughs> I know that Wayne is out of town Mm-hmm. And some other stuff. So that uh, that's why probably a lot of the uh, site updates are going to be limited this week. Uh, we've got some questions of the day. We've got some other things uh, planned, um, little stories here and there as they warrant. But basically, we'll be back uh, in force next week, I believe. We'll see yes. what happens there. Ha, ha. Uh, let's get to the major spoilers poll of the week. It's a pretty simple one this week. It is uh, questioning whether you have seen... Uh, the Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. It's the concluding chapter of the Hobbit uh, movie trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know whether you liked it, you hated it, or you hadn't seen it yet, or whether you thought it was just okay. And um, I'm surprised. I mean, I really thought internet seems to, maybe the internet has a lot more hate than uh, than normal. But <laughs> I was really surprised that there's like only one vote for they hated the Hobbit Battle of the Five right, yeah, uh, Five yeah. Armies. I went and saw it this past weekend. I thought it was just okay. Um, I honestly think that the second movie is a lot, of the three, is the strongest one. I still think that they screwed the third movie up by putting the the killing of Smaug uh, at the beginning it's, of the, the third movie. Smarg. Smarg. Uh, at the beginning of the third movie instead of just wrapping it all up at the end of the second movie because there is a definite break point um, in Battle of the Five Armies, where everyone from Lake Town, it's like the next day, right. that is where they could have started this movie. And it would have been because they showed a highlight reel at the beginning of the movie to tell you what had happened. <laughs> so it's not like you couldn't have put, of course, maybe uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was able to get uh, 
money for two movies because they split his role up across two movies. Right. But um, I don't know. It just yes, there's a big battle there. Some of the stuff was a little over the top and melodramatic. Right. I just thought it was OK. I didn't think it was the best. I'm glad it's over. I will probably watch all three of them in a row at some point in the future. But I thought it was just I th- honestly, if they could have kept this to two movies, mm-hmm. I think it would have been better off. I think it would well, have been a stronger story. I, I've actually heard that from a number of people. So I have yet to see the film myself. Uh, my have you seen any of the, have you seen any of the Hobbit movies? Uh, I've seen the elves uh, raiding uh, Bilbo's pantry. Uh, those would be dwarves. Whatever. Yeah. Dwarves, elves. No, I haven't seen the second one, although I know it's on cable right now. Yeah, the second one, I think, is really good. I mean, I get really excited about that. It was, In fact, I watched uh, the first two a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. in in uh, preparation for this one. And after the second movie, it's like, man, I cannot wait to see the, the final film. And it's right. I mean, there's I mean, if you love battle sequences, if you love the huge battle fighting that went on at the end of the, uh, the mm-hmm. uh, Fellowship of the Rings or whatever the right uh, that one was. Lord of the Rings, uh, then then you'll like this third movie because it is battle after battle after battle after battle in this. Uh, five times there's five armies. Somebody had said on uh, social media that it seemed a little superhero-ier in the battle sequences than he liked. Um, I don't think it was superhero-y. I don't, uh-huh. think, I, I, I don't think it was any – nothing that we had seen in the previous movies um, is contradicted here. Okay. That that's what I would say. I mean, when you've got uh, Lego loss in the second movie, uh, basically surfboarding down a tree branch and, and shooting orcs in the head, uh, that seems a little superheroy. It it is not different here. It, it is not different here. All right. Um, but I am surprised that with as many Tolkien fans that are out there, mm-hmm. that in this poll of the week, so many people have not seen the movie. Well, and I mean, what's it been out for? Five days? It's been out for a week. Yeah. Well, not everybody wants to see a movie in that first week. I never want to see movies in the first week because it's always full of people and I don't like people. <laughs> well, I don't like people. I mean, I, I went to uh, do my holiday shopping. And if anyone ever questions how much I love my family, I went into a Walmart on a Saturday before the holidays to get gifts. And holy moly, I got bumped into by like nine people. One guy tried to give me a flying elbow. I and and literally we, I had been, someone crash into my cart and then blame me. I'm like, what? I've been to the thing? I've been to our our local stores of the last couple of days, many m- multiple times. And it was just really weird. I um I went to Hobby Lobby the other day to get something. Oh, well, I did. I had to get something and it's actually really cool. Um they're the only place in town that has really large uh foam core boards. Right. Uh, cuz I had to update this set for shooting some of these Lego videos and unboxing video stuff. Um but as I was coming out, it was just like a flood. I bet there were about – and this is a city the size of 30,000 people. There must have been about 60 people walking into the store at once. Not all together, but just in individual groups. And I was like, holy cow. And then my wife made the uh, unfortunate mistake of going to Walmart to get bread last night. And it took her 45 minutes just to get three things. And she came back very irritated and very angry. So I understand holiday shopping. Um, Fabian Fabian called um, finally Friday last week, and he works in retail and says it's crazy uh, going into this last weekend. So hopefully everyone got their stuff done. 
Uh, I know when I lived in Atlanta, I was one of those people that routinely did shopping um, on the 23rd or 24th because then you could go to the mall and it was only guys <laughs> there to get their get their holiday stuff. And uh, it made shopping very quick because it was all all guys rushing out doing their holiday shopping at the last moment. Now that we have kids, we kind of have to buy things ahead of time. Uh, but unlike last year where I was desperate to find a PS4 and an Xbox One, this uh, year not there has not been a – there's not been a hard-to-find toy. Yeah. Have you – I mean, did you get everything that your uh, child wanted from Santa or otherwise? She uh, sends letters to the Christmas dragon and his army of robots. Ah. And, um, the thing about the Christmas dragon is that he is uh, multi-denominational. So, yeah. But most importantly, the things that she asked for, she's asking for teenage things. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, she's clothes like, and I stuff. Want, I want gift cards to Chipotle, and I want gift cards for clothes, and I want a new purse. Well, that I makes want, it easy, then. I want tea. She's like, I want boxes and boxes of tea so that I can have different teas to drink while I'm listening to my MP3 player. I'm like, oh, you're 10. Yeah. The kids, the kids went and saw Santa Claus last weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty much everything that everything that they said, I'm pretty sure Santa will be getting them this year. Oh, good work, Santa. Yeah. Only because it's like a broken record with the youngest. Right. He's into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right now. Turtles. So everything has to be Ninja Turtle this, Ninja Turtle that, Ninja Turtle this, Ninja Turtle that. Right. And so um, he's, I know from parents and Santa uh, that we've had that conversation that he's getting a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Stuff. Have you explained to him that there's a fifth turtle? I've, you know, what's really weird. This is really, really weird in that he is in love with the action figures. He's in love with the Lego. He's in love with the clothing of, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I try to get him to watch that new Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja series, which is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, I try to get him to watch that and he's not super interested in it. I kind of have to force him to sit down and watch it. Sit down, uh, boy. Because he's you're he's, watching turtle cartoons. Maybe it's too dark or something that it kind of scares him. But man, I need to record his face and his actions because when the Ninja Turtles are getting ready to fight somebody, he gets all excited. He sits up on his knees and he's bouncing up and down. He's like, they're going to fight. They're going to fight. They're going to fight. And just gets super excited about that laughing and giggling about the turtles fighting the foot soldiers or fighting uh, the robots or whatever. And it's I think he uses it as fodder for his own gameplay because this kid has got the imagination. I, I always try to record him doing his uh, playtime because he has stories about, oh, is that you, Raphael? Oh, yes, that's me. Well, we're brothers. And so we can and he just goes into these elaborate story times. But every time I try to record him, he senses that a recorder has been turned on and instantly clams up. Oh, it, but it, you need would, to hide the recorder. I, that's like what I'm going to try to do. But it is it's, it is hard with this kid because he knows he just like has this spider sense of when a camera goes on. <laughs> Anywhere in the house, even downstairs, I think he just instinctively knows that when the podcast starts and a camera goes on, he gets really quiet. That's really weird. Listeners, I know it's the holiday weekend. I know a lot of you are out uh, going to see movies. Uh, If you go see The Lord of the Rings or the uh, I'm not sorry, not The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies. It's all the same thing. Um, Head over to Majorspoilers.com. Cast your vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week. Um, are you going to go see any movies, do you think, over the holiday, Matthew? Oh, I doubt it. Isn't there something your daughter wants to see? Oh, I don't know. We're not really movie going. Oh, wait, she's, you're sending her out of town, right? We, yeah, she's actually leaving Christmas Day. 
for a week at grandma's. Ah, so. So she will be in another state. Well, um, you might want to catch up on some of the movies that came out in 2014. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what Zach and I did. And uh, I think it is not this week. This week we're doing um, uh, the final one, Citizen Kane on Zach's film. Kane. It was but, Citizen Kane. But next week uh, for I think next Friday is the second, right? May. Whatever it is, the New Year's Day, whatever next week's episode of, of uh, yes, Zach on Film. second will be next Friday. Zach and I rank our top 10 films that we have seen in 2014. Not all nice. of them came out in 2014. There's a couple of 2013 movies that we didn't get a chance to see, but we run down our top 2014 movies. And Matthew, I think there are some really great movies that I think you should catch up on. Um, I know you've seen Her, and that appears yes. on our list. Um, did like Her. her but there, there are some other movies you might want to check out. We'll see. Uh, again, if you didn't get something cool for your holiday and you want to get something cool for your holiday, head over to tweakedaudio.com. Tweaked Audio has some great earbuds, earphones, whatever you want to call them. A lot of different styles, a lot of different colors. I'm partial to the flat ribbon uh, cable because it doesn't get tangled up as easily. Yes. I'm also very, very partial to the uh, built-in microphone because I can be bebopping and listening to my uh, podcasts. And then when the school calls and says, oh, Mason has thrown up again, you need to get him. Um, it just automatically switches over and I can use the built in microphone and talk to the school and and uh, tell them I'll be right over. And pick in him an up. hour or three. And they, they really want you here to have your p- kid picked up within 30 minutes or less. Like a Domino's pizza. Kind of. And it's, it's easy for me because I, now that I work at, at home doing major spoilers full time, I can be down there in like five minutes to pick him up. Um, in fact, the other day, Friday, when I had to go and pick him up, uh, the nurse had just left the office after calling me to go get his things. And we had to wait around for five minutes for her to come back with his bag and his coat so I could take him home. So it took her longer to gather it than me to get down to see him or pick him up. But uh, these tweaked audio headphones, they are a blast. I keep a pair in my car at all times, just in case I forget my ones at home for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, buy a couple of them. And here's the best thing. If you buy a couple of them, doesn't matter. Use the checkout code major and get 33% off the price. So you could buy three of them and it's almost like getting a, a pair free. Almost. Check them out. Tweakedaudio.com. We thank them for sponsoring this uh, installment of the major spoilers podcast. Now, I know cool. I've, I know I've said it a couple of times uh, in this show. It is Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, um, Festivus. Festivus. Uh, but uh, as great as are th- as those holidays are, yes, not my favorite holiday of all time. No, and I think we've all talked about it before. Halloween is actually our favorite holiday here at Major Spoilers. I mean, that's why we've got <laughs> the Major Spoilers costume contest. That's why we have right. a whole lot of fun uh, during Halloween. And so I Bye. thought because. Uh, just because my planning this year has just been awful. <laughs> if we uh, we've actually been planning this since Halloween, as <laughs> actually a couple of weeks before Halloween. Yeah. Um, but I am fascinated about this tale that long before Marvel and DC had official crossovers, mm-hmm. that there were unofficial crossovers going on between the Marvel and DC universes. Yep. Just so happens in the in the uh, early 1970s in this place called Rutledge, Vermont. Rutland, Rutland, Vermont, Rutledge, Rutland, Vermont. uh, They do an annual parade, Halloween parade that is superhero themed. And this thing has been going on for years, years and years and years and years. It was uh, founded by. Oh, now I forgot his name. Tom 
yeah, Fagan, that's his name. And I don't know how he, he would write letters in to both DC and Marvel and get it in the letters column. And this parade, I, I really would love to go to Rutland sometime and see this parade because it just sounds like it is so much fun and you never hear anything about it. That's the problem. Right. I mean, you would think that on Halloween they would have video, the Internet would have video or pictures or whatever of right. this thing. But um, apparently some of the creators, uh, Steve Englehart, uh, Jerry yep. Conway, Lynn Ween, yep. they were fans of this parade. And they so were actually, I believe, fr- some of them were friends of Tom Fagan before or during. I think it was Senate. during. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they got it in their head and weren't two of these guys like living together or something. Yes. Ween and, and, and uh, Wolfman and Englehart all kind of lived together and cycled in and out. Okay. Uh, but here's the thing. They each worked at different companies, right? Right. At the time this was written, Len Wein was working at DC. Jerry Conway was working at Marvel. They all knew Although, each other and they were all good friends. And they're like, hey, man, what if what if we told some stories in our books that took place in Rutland and we were <laughs> able to do uh, a DC story that had Captain America and Spider-Man in it? Mm-hmm. But without getting anybody all upset at either company without getting sued, without getting sued. The oh, justification no. was We're that the justification was that uh, in the Marvel book, you could have people that look like DC characters because people would be dressed up as Batman right. and Superman and Supergirl. In fact, uh, Glennis, uh, Ween's first wife, mm-hmm. continues to dress as Supergirl in all three of these issues. Right. And um And vice versa, in the DC, you could have people that look like Marvel characters because people would be dressed up in a ill-fitting Spider-Man costume or a bad (laughs) Captain America costume. Commando America. We're not yes, yes. And I don't know how the publishers allowed this because it's a it's a crazy concept. It's a great concept. Yeah, but at the same time, they were just like, "Yeah, this is kind of a crazy inside joke. Let's let it go." The thing that's important to remember is that in the early 70s, comics were kind of the wild, wild west. Uh, Stan had left Marvel, so Roy Thomas was, I believe, in charge in 72 at least. So Roy Thomas was a fan of comics who grew up as a fan of comics. And Ween and Wolfman and all these guys are comics fans. If you go over to DC, editor-in-chief at that time would probably have been Carmine Infantino. Carmine... I, I don't think he realized what all the crazy kids were doing in all of his comics. <laughs> this is older, right? He was older than all yeah. of these guys. Well, yeah, Carmine was Carmine was an old school publishing guy. Carmine was he, – he looked at his job as I'm an illustrator. I put out product. I put out books. Carmine, you know, I'm sure he loved his comics, but he wasn't a comics fan. So I – there wasn't any, you know, corporate oversight per se. At this point, I think DC – would have been owned by the Kinney Corporation or something. But yeah, it, it was one of those things where the suits, the people who might sue, never really got involved because there was never anything that was trying to say, this is the real Captain America. Right. Yeah, because you're right. They did call him Commando, whatever, Captain Commando. Yeah. And these guys, they these are some of the people who did the same thing a few years later in Freedom Fighters and Invaders and – you would see characters appear. Tom Fagan is not the only character who appears in both the Marvel and DC universe. But I think the most fascinating part to me is uh, the episode of issue of what if, where somebody wrote into the watcher 
and said, hey, is Rutland, Vermont, a nexus of reality? Yeah. And, you know, the, they replied back that it that it's not that. Uh, what is it? Uh, Citrusville in Florida is a natural Citrusville aperture is something weird happens in Rutland. But thankfully, yes. it hasn't happened in several years. Yes. Which was in 1980 was when they wrote it in. So the, yeah. the, there are three. There are a number of stories. I think there's like 13 issues total between Marvel and DC that take place in Rutland. Uh, there are only three stories that were three issues that we're looking at here. And these are the ones that take place in 1972. Mm-hmm. And it's the first official unofficial crossover between the two universes. Right. So we've got uh, what do we got? We got Amazing oh. Adventure number 16. Right. This uh, is right after uh, Hank McCoy became Blue Fuzzy Beast. And so he's wearing a mask, which I thought was crazy. He's wearing a rubber face mask to look like regular Hank McCoy yeah, yeah. over his blue fuzzy face. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I know. So They it's had am- that technology. Didn't you watch uh, Mission Impossible? <laughs> so it's Amazing Adventure number 16. Yes. And then that's followed up by Justice League number 103. Right. And then we've got a um, Thor 207. Yes. With an amazing cover by the late Gil Kane. Yeah. Great cover. Doesn't look anything like the art inside. Great cover. So Amazing Adventure number 116 features uh, Hank McCoy and his uh, girlfriend. Vera. Vera. Trying to find a way to Canada. And right. on the way, they stumble across these this hapless car uh, with uh, Inglehart, Ween, uh, yep. Conway, and Glennis. And Glynis, yeah. Uh, in there. Apparently, their muffler has fallen off. Yes. This is supposedly based on uh, Steve Englehart's actual 70s car. It's uh, supposed to be a Ford Mustang. Never looks like a Ford no, Mustang doesn't. in these stories. No, it doesn't. Maybe but, more of a yeah. Maverick, maybe. But uh, So all six of them crowd in, and they make their way to Rutland. And um, uh, the Juggernaut shows up, and yes. uh, the Beast uh, and the Juggernaut fight. And yep. all the while... Um, our four I, I, real world characters get separated and run mm-hmm. back into one another and they all take place in the uh, they all take part in the parade or try to they interact with Fagan um, and then I, I don't know what's what is Glynis's problem where she's like oh I forgot something or I can't remember or whatever she seems Glynis, to keep, she keeps she keeps uh, forgetting what's actually going on right Glynis uh, is one of the people in part two of the story who right. was possessed. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Glynis disappears. She's in a Supergirl costume. Yeah. Power Girl in the Marvel half of the story, which I think is really funny yeah. because this story predates the actual Power, Power Girl. Girl by like four years. But uh, interestingly, these are filled with weird 70s things. This is oh, the first yeah. appearance of Juggernaut since a one-off appearance in Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, because apparently he got sent off into the Nexus or something. He's like, I'm back. I'm back. Nothing can stop the Juggernaut. Oh, Beast, you have stopped the Juggernaut. And this is a point where, you know, the X-Men wasn't a thing anymore. The X-Men had broken up in like 1971 or 72 and were just wandering around, Ah. occasionally showing up in the Marvel Universe because their book got canceled for low sales. That'll tell you how There's something about that issue that, I don't know, I found really appealing for some reason from the from the zaniness of of hank wearing a a rubber head and (laughs) constantly ducking behind somewhere to take it off or put it on and just seeing you know this melted face lying on the ground half the time uh to the time like when uh he and the juggernaut uh come face to face in the uh, apartment or house or wherever it is and he just turns around and his eyes are all slitted like a cat and he's like "Ah." rips off his mask he's like yeah 
Yeah. And this is the thing that people don't remember about Blue Fuzzy Beast is he was he was terrifying monster beast. Right. Right. Yeah. Nobody liked him. I mean, he was a monster. Right. And his, you know, thing of in this point, he's still trying to find a cure for his Blue Fuzzy Beast mode, which is why he and Vera are headed for Canada. What I really love is Tom Fagan used to host the parade dressed as Batman. Right. On the Marvel side, he's dressed as Nightwing from the Squadron Supreme, mm-hmm. who is, in fact, Marvel's version of, of Batman. Batman. Yeah, this is it, it is so well done. Yeah. Um, so uh, things happen. Mm-hmm. And then we jump over into Justice League of America 103, where right. the Phantom Stranger shows up uh, to the uh, to the Justice League and yes. says, oh, strange things are afoot. I'm going to magic magic you guys because Felix Faust is doing something evil. He starts by doing his standard Phantom Stranger Rod Serling turn to the camera and narrate thing, which I love too. Yeah. Uh, The Phantom Stranger actually at this point, depending on who was writing, was considered a member of the Justice League. Interesting. Yeah. uh, An auxiliary member for sure, but a member. And I'm like, that's cool. Let's do more of that. The crazy Rather thing than, is that these books all all did come out within the same month of one another. They all had the yeah. cover date of December, which means they would have come out in October. Or so. Yeah. Or so. Um, and uh, this time we see them all pulling into town. This time they don't have any other passengers in their car. They still have a muffler problem. They've already dropped off Hank and Oh, Vera. okay. All right. Oh, yeah, because they get to the party house or they get to their hotel right. or wherever that they're they going. Drop them, they drop them in the city and then they take off for Tom's house. Right. They all intertwine, too, because what happened to Glynis in that last issue doesn't happen until here. I know, which is which is why I was at the end of the, that first issue. I was like, why is she like, I don't remember. And they're like, Glynis, we've been looking all over for you. Where did you get off to? And uh, then we find out in this issue. And apparently Felix Faust steals the uh, Englehart's car. Right. He, st- he steals the car, which is really great, and then gets arrested for not having a muffler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Felix Faust got picked up by the police. Though the best part about it is um, Tom talks the actual Justice League, Superman, Batman, Hawkman, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and Flash – Right. Into being in the parade. Yeah, in the parade, which seems very if, 70s to me. If you cut back to the first part, right. the float that they're on appears in mm-hmm. the Amazing Avengers story mm-hmm. with a Superman pastiche and a Batman yes. pastiche on it. Yes. So now we look at this and it's like, oh, it's the real guy. Also important, Captain Marvel appears in both halves of the story. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Captain Marvel was still owned by DC somewhere in limbo. Yes. His yeah. new book hadn't kicked off, I think, or if it did, it just did. But yeah, I, I, I love the the stuff. When I was very young, the first book that I read with Batman that really caught me was Batman's Strangest Cases, and one of them was a previous Batman story in Rutland. Interesting. Yeah, yeah Batman, what, was that 237? Something like that, yeah, uh, Night of the Monstrous Monsters or something. I think it was uh, uh, Night of the Reaper. Yeah, that's... Yeah, well... I, you know, for some reason, my mom at some point when she was teaching second grade had a somebody dropped off like a bunch of old comic books to be used in class for, you know, paper craft or for kids to read or whatever. I think these were illegal comics because the covers had all been stripped off of them. Yep, stripped comics. But I would be almost 100% certain that one of the books that I picked up at that time, and this would have been in the um, mid or early 80s. Uh, would have been 
Justice League of America number 103 because it still had the cover intact. And I was like, why is everybody pointing to the grave? Yeah. And, and that's and, one of those great covers. I think that may be an Adams. Maybe it is. I, I don't Neil know. Adams. I just it just struck me that as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, this brings back memories. There was another Justice League Halloween story that I remember. And this one had uh, Zan and Jaina in it where everybody put on the masks and they, uh, they became the that monsters. That was an issue of Super Friends. Oh, Super Friends. Okay. Yeah, that, that was one that had a cover stripped off of it. So yep. um, the final story is Thor 207. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I only read about halfway through this one because it starts yeah. to get into trippy space Thor stuff. Loki stuff. Um, well, it's it, it really felt like a strange tale story, right? Yeah. But it just didn't interest me. And the thing that's interesting about this <laughs> is. Glynis, who was possessed in the second book by one of Felix Faust's things, actually leaves the group in the third story in Thor 207. Right, so right. these are all intertwined. Oh, yeah, they at, definitely are. At the same time that the Justice League is fighting Felix Faust monsters, Felix Faust monsters in the woods, elsewhere in the woods, Thor is fighting the Absorbing Man, mm-hmm. um, not to be confused with his son, Absorbing Jr. Um, that's a joke. Oh, you Felix. mean the Absorbing Man's? tonight on yes, CBS. Exactly. But yeah, the Thor story is probably the weakest of the three because it's got Carnilla of the Norns and a whole bunch of, oh, yeah, lo, yeah. I am the Thunder God. It's, it's I very, have stolen. Yeah. It is super, and, super wordy. And Loki ends up blinded. Well, super wordy is kind of the way of the I Thor. know. It did, but it did not. That one felt super wordy in that we are always commenting about comics of the 60s and 70s being mm-hmm. so much word balloon and so little action space. The other yes. two books did not feel that way. The thing about it that's interesting is Engelhart wrote the Thor story. And Engelhart in Engelhart mode, there's a certain point in his writing where he stops using periods. Ah, uh, He actually, every single thing he wrote in comics in the 80s and 90s had all exclamation points. So at the end of this book, after uh, Glynis has been possessed and come back, we see just a quick bit of Felix Faust, yes. uh, an unseen Felix Faust, stealing Steve Engelhart's car. Right. And then the last page of the book is uh, our team seeing Loki, who has been blinded by Thor, run after the car, trip and fall off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And they're basically Which, and it kind of freaks them out. I mean, it would. I mean, if you saw that, because they think it's some costume person. Right. Dying. They think it's just some guy dying. But, yeah, it's kind of. And then they and vow never to return to Rutland again or something. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Uh, I just just this concept of. These guys, whether they were roommates or not roommates or whatever was going on, plotting, mm-hmm. not talking to their editors, not talking to everyone, and just yep. really plotting a story that these books kind of stand by themselves. I mean, they oh, yeah. really do. Um, Especially in, in context. The Amazing Adventure story, it's a little side trip, but it's just right. part of the beasts. Yeah. I've turned blue and now I want to be human. But again. the fact that you're looking at this story – through two different cameras and they're just slightly different perspective on the same events. And if you're watching all of the background stuff that's going on, yes, this is an amazing, just amazing piece of comics history where people were able to pull this off. Like, like you said before, because lawyers didn't care. Or editors weren't paying attention or, right. you know, this idea of copyright wasn't as, um, as tight as, as, as it would be today, but yeah. just to slip this stuff in there and do it under those noses and, you know, if you were only a DC reader, 
you probably would never have gotten anything of what was going on. If you were only a Marvel reader, you might be going, oh, here's uh, the story taking place in two different things. And, oh, that guy looks like Batman, whatever. But if you're a fan of both and you were really, really paying attention to what was going on and you were reading these avidly and you looked at it and go, oh, crap, look, this happened in this panel. And, oh, this happened in this panel. Oh, my gosh, this is the this is the same thing. And I see what they're doing and getting it all. It it just had to be one of those mind blowing moments in comics that I think today you could not do something like this today. I mean, people try. You do see an occasional character that will slip in, pop up. That is um, that resembles the the Batman of whatever and and or feels like a take on uh, Doctor Strange or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you've got things like the boys, which we referenced earlier, which is just a, a take on all of those kind of a straight on. Yeah. Pastiche, yeah. But nowhere would you see a through storyline going through three different comics through two different publishers today. Well, and I don't think you can. One of the things that. In the 90s, when they printed Marvel versus DC, they created a character called Access. Right. I remember that. Access is equally owned by both companies. Right. Neither of them can use Access without the authority of the other. And Access had a couple of limited series where he showed up and did his thing. And he's like, da-da-da, Access to save the day. But you'll note that there aren't, to my knowledge, full collections of Marvel versus DC. I do want to say that maybe there was at one time you could be right but i could have swore that i saw a, a collected um marvel versus dc event could be and the, i don't remember it but you'll recall that when it ended nobody went on the record as saying we won tee right yeah, well, yeah. Marvel kind of right because that was part of the contractual agreement when they wrote it so right now i believe that editorial relations between the two companies are fine in a general sense they're okay in a general sense yeah they're not like you know we're going to work together tomorrow but they're not hatefully taking shots at each other not like they were six seven eight years ago yeah in 2004 under the jamas regime yeah but what's interesting to me is not only could they not get away with that from the editor's perspective what would warner brothers and disney have to say we want to we want to cross over the avengers with these characters who are going to be our big uh yeah, in I mean, theater Disney can't Disney can't even get Spider-Man to cross over with the Avengers. So <laughs> and they technically own Spider-Man. I know. Right. You know. Uh, so, yeah, it would it's near impossible today. I mean, there are some really great. I think there are some I don't know. I wouldn't say great. I think there are some really fun stories where uh, Superman meets Gen 13. Of course, those were at one time uh, Image and uh, D.C., um, yeah, yeah the Wildstorm universe. And then, of course, uh, Spy- uh, Batman and Spider-Man team up, uh, the the Batman um, uh, Spawn team up, which actually became an incontinuity event for Spawn with his face all sp- spliced up. Um, I, you know, there have been some really good crossovers between properties that I think work really well. Wasn't there like a judge, um, da, 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 Punisher Batman or Punisher? There was a something? Punisher Punisher Batman. There was uh Archie Judge Dredd. No, right, right. I'm Archie Punisher. I'm just talking specifically DC Marvel type stuff. But DC I mean, Marvel, been, yeah. There was a, a Green Lantern Silver Surfer that wasn't half bad. Yeah, and and uh, the one that I really enjoyed was a um, Batman Starman Hellboy, which was, was a good. really crazy three-part story, which was really, really good. Uh, so Batman have, Captain America was actually Yes, good. that one was good, too. So there have been some really good crossovers and team-ups between the years and I'm 
and I'm glad that companies can at some point get together and figure out how they can win win in this right. where, you know, DC will pr- the print the uh, first half of the story. Marvel will print the second half and everybody shares in the profits. Right. Um, I, I think that works out really, really well. But I think that when you can do something sneaky like this, it <laughs> feels that much more. It victorious. feels it, it's subversive, su- yes. and it's like you you know that these guys are sitting in there. They'll go into like lunch counters and tee hee, yeah, you yeah. know, trying to slip it past their editor. Granted, I believe one of their editors was in on it. Roy right. Thomas does appear in this, ah, okay. So you know, you're almost certain that Roy had some idea what was going on because Roy was part of that whole social group to some degree too. But. So. If you can get your hands on these three comics, here they are again. Amazing Adventure number 16. This is December 1972 uh, is the cover date on all of these. Yes. Then you have Justice League of America 103. And then finally is Thor 207. If you guys can get your hands on these three comics. They'll run you about eight bucks a pop in good condition. You can probably get them for two or three if you go. Yeah, I think this is this is a little treat that you can pull out. And when people talk about the Marvel DC uh, event in the 90s, you can see, uh-huh. well, there was another time that Marvel and DC crossed over that no one knows about. Uh, and it is the Rutland Halloween specials. Um, you, can, you can also hit them with the Invaders Freedom Fighter crossover. As seen on Retro Reviews at Majorspoilers.com. Yep. www.majorspoilers.com. Yep. So um, go, and check, go and check those out. I mean, the, I would really, if someone out there has been to a recent Rutland uh, Halloween parade, please contact me, uh, podcast at majorspoilers.com. The last time that I knew that they do it, and this was according to the Wikipedia page, um, they still were doing it in, I think, 2006, and they were going to have um, Fagan show up, but he had died just like a couple of weeks before that parade. Um, I know that his it's still house ongoing. has become like a bed and breakfast from what I understand. So you could well, go and uh, here. I see the Rutland. Page. I see that it must still be going because I see Rutland Halloween Parade 2014 winners. And they've Let's got go. a face. They've got a Facebook page. We're going. And uh, I think it would be cool, especially if it is still Superman or not Superman, superhero themed. I Let's think it would go. be very cool. I'll go. OK, here's the plan. I want I want somebody Zach, who went this past. Zach year. is matter eater lad. <laughs> no, I'll be bouncing boy. Rodrigo is Monel, and you can be Pharaoh Lad. I don't want to be somebody that that smells funny. No, no, no! You're not thinking it. That's a different guy. <laughs> I don't even know what that joke is. <laughs> I don't know either. Okay. Um, you had posted some uh, stuff on your Twitter. Did you see my reply on that? That one where the uh, one of the robot guys looks exactly like Adam Carolla. I did see that. Yeah, Hi, I think I uh, mentioned it the first time you posted on the. On the major spoiler side, is like, man, that is a spitting image of Adam Carolla. You know what's really funny, what I've discovered that is fascinating over the last few weeks. When I go looking, because I'm sitting at work and I'm bored with my browser, when I go looking for images of these weird, obscure heroes, I'd say a good 30% of the time, the first thing you find yeah, yeah, is, major spoiler is stuff. us at Major Spoilers talking about I these know. idiots. That's why we and love I'm like, yeah. And, and the reason is because we know that you love comics and we do too. And that wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with a friend. Hopefully you learned a little bit about your comics history in this, got a little enjoyment out of it. We didn't go into depth about um, the three individual stories. We talked about them shortly, but it's fun comic history. And that's what that's what I think we need more of in this year, more fun with comics and less hate about comics. 
And yeah. uh, we're going to see you again real soon. Next week will be our end of the year wrap up uh, because we know that you love comics. We do, too. We'll talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine bee In the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2014